Hi, and welcome to another episode of Scared and Savvy. I am your host, Annette Schmidt. I am a toddler tamer, former financial advisor to her money mindset coach, and the Fin Savvy Mom. Today, I got to speak with Chuck Jaffe about his take on how to use Halloween as an opportunity to teach kids about becoming money savvy. Chuck brings a really unique perspective and has a lot of experience in the finance world. He is host of Money Life Podcast, is a veteran financial journalist and nationally syndicated financial columnist. He started Money Life in April 2012 and has done roughly a thousand interviews per year on the show ever since. Chuck spent 14 years as a senior columnist at MarketWatch.com and nearly a decade as personal finance mutual funds columnist at the Boston Globe and hosted the original Money Life show on WBAX AM 1060 in Boston in the early 2000s. He is a past president of the Society of American Business Editors and Writers, a group representing more than 3,000 business journalists nationwide, and is the author of three books. Beyond his column, Chuck writes regularly for the Wall Street Journal and for other business publications and websites. He also writes the State of the Game column for New England Lacrosse Journal and is a longtime lacrosse player, coach, referee, fan, and broadcast announcer. Chuck's experience in the finance world is extremely impressive. And not only that, but he has also raised his very own financially savvy children and shares on today's episode not only how we can transfer the skills and lessons from his cash or candy game to an at-home experience, but he also shares some really valuable insight on how to start teaching kids about money and building wealth in the real world. So without further ado, here is Chuck. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. So you run a really cool annual Halloween game slash educational experience when it comes to money and teaching kids about risk and all of that good stuff. And I'm really excited to get more insight on how this works here and how we can do this at home. But first, can you share a bit of what is the game? How does it work? And what inspired you to start this annual tradition? Well, a couple of things started. So first, the basics are Let's change the question from trick-or-treat to cash or candy. And let's be perfectly honest. The kids go out, they get plenty of candy. What they don't necessarily get is life lessons. But what also happened is I live in a neighborhood of cul-de-sacs and my kids are grown. And there came a point a few years ago where pretty much everybody else that my kids grew up with is out of the neighborhood now. So I didn't want to be that old guy with the old dog who like, they're a little walking past my house too fast. I wanted to have a relationship with my neighbors and their kids. I didn't want them to be afraid of me. You know, I didn't want to have that place where, because you don't know who lives there necessarily, because I work from home, so I don't come out that often necessarily. So this was a, a way to make it that, hey, I'll get a chance to chat with you and you won't be scared of me and what have you. And my neighbors love it. Etc. So it started five years ago. So basically that was pretty much the time when I'm like, oh, my kids will never be here to enjoy Halloween with me again because they're grown. So let's, what do we do to make Halloween more fun? So it started with that and a push from the National Financial Educators Council. So that's a group that came out and said, we want to do cash for candy, but they were doing it in a very different way they were kind of doing it in a way that was, you can maybe teach some money lessons while you know, perhaps helping a charity in terms of donating extra candy that you have. Okay. Okay, and we'll get back to that. And, and they have some very good stuff, but 
we kind of have this relationship where they always now say that I've taken it way further and shown what you can do. And I'd like to point out one other thing that's really important here, which is that I've been doing this and talking about this for five years. And my audience from Money Life has plenty of people have tried it in their own ways. There is no wrong way to do this. If you want to do it and be more generous, then add more money to it. If you want to do it and be less generous, then be less generous. It works. It's be more frugal and that's fine. And you don't have to go really complicated. The thing for me is that I'm trying to teach financial decision-making and I get kids for a couple of minutes and I get them every year. And by now I've been doing it for enough years that kids tell me I'm their favorite house to go to in the neighborhood. I had a group of girls last year who made my house last. And there was one girl who was very nice. She goes, this will be the last house I ever trick or treat at. And it's my favorite house. And we had to do the whole other rest of the neighborhood before we got there. So you can have some fun with it and make special memories in different ways, but you can teach lessons. Now, what I wish would happen would be that every year I come up with something new and my neighbor to the left would do what I did last year. And the neighbor to the left would do like, that would be awesome. Yes. But it's just me. And the kids would love it, right? They're like, everyone's oh, I think giving they, out cash. <laughs> if they could come out onto our street. My kids, my kids are like, seriously, dad, we go and now you give away money. When have you ever done that? <laughs> but, but I'll also tell you that, you know, you have some things where, you know, if you're the only house in your neighborhood giving away cash, that they're going to take it. You can buy a lot less candy because if you give them an option, it doesn't really make a difference how big it is they're almost all going to take cash. But the question then becomes, once you know that, is will you help them teach good financial decisions? And this year with COVID, I have had to change it. Yeah. Because I wanted to follow CDC guidelines. And I'm afraid, although we have some learning pods in my neighborhood, I don't have kids of that age. Technically, they may not want to. You know, pods tend to do it themselves. So yeah. For starters, I will be out by the end of my driveway this year instead of up near my property. It gives us that much more space and everything is designed to be put on a table. And the CDC says that you wanna sort of do this in ways that are pretty much touchless. Like you stand there and supervise, but the kids do what they do. It requires changes. So let's explain a little bit of why. If you come to my house as a child and you are in costume, you are getting three pieces of fun size candy. That's about value 12 and a half cents each. So 37 and a half cents is your return on investment for getting dressed up and coming to my house. Then we give you options on how you can trade that. And so when I did it the first time, it was simply you could do that or you could have a little coin envelope and the coin envelope would have as little as a quarter. I think the first year it was as much as $5. And oh, by the way, you have to go through some conniptions to make it work because kids will try to figure it all out. So it's dollar coins and quarters, right? Because that makes it hard for them to tell in a little coin envelope. And then, and it's dollar coins and $2 bills till you get to five bucks. And, and by the way, I also write up what I do and I put a little explanation in every envelope. And I tell the kids, do not open it in front of me, take it away, go home, open it with your parents and talk about what happened. Because that to me is where you can get real benefits. It's like, do you understand what the best choice was and what choice you made? And hey, mom, what would you have done? Or hey, dad, 
you could have done this. Would you have played for big money or small? Because that first choice was easy. And then we got much more complicated. So it's changed every year. Last year, we had three options if you wanted to not take candy. Okay. So the first was what we called the small money option. And you would trade me one piece of candy picked randomly from your bag, also fun size. Somebody gave you full size candy bars. I'm not taking those. In exchange to pick from envelopes that had 50 cents to $5, half of the envelopes had 50 cents in them. You could then trade me three pieces of candy for the chance to pick from envelopes that if you won had a minimum of a dollar in it, had a maximum of $10 in it. But half of those envelopes were empty. Oh. So you could go home with nothing like gambling or, at the casino for or, kids. <laughs> or last year we had the lottery option. The lottery option was you can trade me six pieces of candy. Okay. You can pick from a set of envelopes, 50 envelopes. One has a $20 bill. One has a $10 bill. And every other one is empty. Has nothing. As the person organizing this, let's point out that if every envelope has 50 cents in it, when you take that group and you have a jackpot, well, when you take 50 cents out and you add it to a bunch of others, so you get to the ones that have a dollar up to $10, yeah. the money that was in those envelopes was basically the same. Okay. Basically, you could trade me one piece of candy. That meant that you now had 50 cents invested. Yeah. And you were going to make at least 50 cents. You were going to, you were spot on. You didn't, you were guaranteed of not losing anything if you went small money. But if you traded me three pieces of candy, well, if you won, you got a buck. But yeah. your profit was only a quarter because my three pieces of candy were 37 and a half cents. So were yours. You put in 75 cents. The odds were still you're probably only going to make about a buck. So not as good a financial decision. And if you went lottery, those first two options, the, it was about 40 bucks in all of the envelopes. The average per envelope was roughly the same, but the lottery option, even though it had 30 bucks, a $20 or $10 winner, was only 60 cents an envelope on average for me Yeah. because I had 50 envelopes. Yeah. So you were going to pay the most money, six pieces of candy, plus the three that you're giving up. It's over a dollar that you're investing. You're actually at that point paying me to give this to the other kids. And I literally got by last year on one bag of candy. <laughs> Doing this. Yeah, I got, I, and I give out three pieces. I needed to make sure I had enough if the little kids come. And you have to be third grade enough. I do it. I don't try to do this with little kids. Okay. There's not, I'm not trying to fund your college fund. If you're coming, you know, we've got a bunch of babies in our neighborhood. I love them. They're <laughs> awesome. But it's not like, hey, we'll do this for your child, you know, they need to make the choice. It's not, are you making the best choice for them? So that's how we did it last year. Now this year, well, we have a COVID problem. Yeah. So I obviously can't reach into their bag to take candy out and they really shouldn't be trading with me. So I have to come up with other options. Now, the good part is envelopes with cash, you can just kind of spread them out and go, here's, this is what you're picking from. Pick one out, you know, the first one you touch, that's the one you take. And again, I go to great lengths to make sure that they all sort of look the same. If they have a coin in it, it might be a quarter or it might be a dollar coin, but good luck figuring out which one. And they all have a little piece of paper in it. So if they got an extra dollar in there, can you tell? No, you usually can't. So this year, it will be three pieces of candy. That's your candy option. A 
$1 gift card or gift certificate to the neighborhood ice cream shop. Or we will have the option where you can trade me and get envelopes that have between 25 cents and $5. So you're going away with cash, which is more usable to you than going away with the dollar that you got to get mom potentially to drive you. Although the older kids could walk to the ice cream shop or we have the lottery option again, okay. where you can basically say, okay, well, I'm giving it up, but I'm, I'm getting a chance to win big. So the best option from a monetary standpoint in terms of your guarantee is going to be the dollar gift card. And by the way, whatever I'm left with, I can eat. So that's not a bad thing. And if my kids were here, that would be their favorite option. It would be like, cool, thanks, dad. We'll take that off and go get our, our ice cream. Right, exactly. So I'm wondering then, because that's a lot of moving parts, right? And it's all really good stuff. But when you're meeting with the kids, do you, I know you said you send a piece of paper home with them, but do you have some of these conversations in person with them too? How you're saying, oh, well, this is the best deal. This is. Oh kind no, of I never tell them what the best okay. deal is. Okay. In fact, what I tell them to do is think about what's going to make you, what could make you the happiest here and what would be the best choice. And there's not always the same thing. So this is the reason why you do it. So that very first time that I had a trade in, it was, I think the second year where you could give me a piece of candy for a chance to get a bigger money envelope. At the end of the night or near the end of the night, I got this group of girls and they became my regulars. They were the kids who came last last year and spent 30 minutes talking to me at the end of last year's ho holiday. But they came and there were seven of them that first year. And the first six all said, yeah, take the candy, you know, grab a handful. They had big sacks of candy. And I'm like, nope, we're just taking what we're taking. It's not a problem. So I do the first six. They all traded for candy. And the seventh girl goes, goes, I'm taking candy. And she reaches in and she's got, I've got my dish of candy there. And she pulls three Snickers bars. I think that was her favorite. She pulls three Snickers bars. And I go, well, I got to know. All your friends did this. Why did you not go with the crowd? And she goes, oh, that's easy. She goes, my favorite candy is Snickers. And I watched you pull Snickers out of the bags of like four of my friends. She said, my parents have a deal with me. They will not raid any of my Snickers bars. They will potentially take other candy from me, but they will not take my Snickers bars. So this is what I came out to get. And I saw that I could get three Snickers bars. So she got exactly what she wanted. So for her 37 and a half cents, she was happier than she would have been had she gotten a quarter here or 50 cents there because she got exactly what she wanted. And when we're teaching kids money lessons, isn't that a huge part of what we're supposed to teach? It's like, it's not don't spend money. It's spend money on the things that you really want. When the candy was meaningless to the other kids, they were happy to trade it off for money. The candy was meaningful to her. You know, that was one of those moments that I said, we've got something here. We've got an ability to teach a lesson that will help kids for a lifetime. If you can think about spending that way. And, and it's a blast. I have a great time. The kids understand it. And I do get waves and smiles. And somebody won the lottery last year, a little boy named Liam, who lives a few doors down, couldn't wait to give me his, and his father's a financial planner, I'd point out. Couldn't give me six pieces of candy fast enough and then managed to win the jackpot. 
I am his favorite neighbor. And oh, by the way, I guarantee you that when he's 40 or 50 years old, he's going to tell his kids about the time he went trick-or-treating and came home with 20. That is so awesome. I love that. So I'm wondering then, what else have you been noticing with the kids, the impact it's having on them? Obviously, it's affecting, like you said, that one girl, her money mindset. Like it's having that kind of impact. Are there other things you're noticing as well? One of the things that I've noticed is that the kids who play one way one year will come back and they'll actually say, well, last year I did this. This year, you know, I want to go home with money. But you will see that they start to learn lessons and and they start to want to figure it out like a game. And yeah. that to me is where when you see that light bulb go on, and I've had some parents in the neighborhood tell me it led to really good money discussions. It led to those money discussions of, wait, when it's your time and your money, you know, how do you want to think about this? And let's be perfectly honest. Kids are making financial decisions from the time they're old enough to talk and walk, from the time that they can, can go to the grocery store and tell you that they want a piece of candy. They're making financial decisions. And I had allowances and did all these things for my kids at an early age. I gave my kids stock portfolios the minute that they had social security numbers. And I have very money savvy children. They're now in their 20s and incredibly responsible around money and very good credit scores and happy to, and still having conversations with me about money that I think are a blessing and, and that their friends are like envious. I get calls from my, my daughter's friends every now and again going, okay, I need to talk to somebody about money and it can't be my mom or dad. So, See, And that I think is a really good point that you bring up is because we want our kids to be open with us, especially about money too, right? It is so awesome that you started young with your kids and you can see the effect it's having on them and their friends now. Well, and remember that what happens these days, it's a little different than when I was a kid, but kids see you as, a, as an adult. They see you go to a bank machine and money comes out, but they never see what happens to put money in there. You're direct depositing your paycheck. They don't see what it takes to load that bank machine. So they don't have an appreciation of it. And you want to give it to them. And people feel differently about allowances. To me, an allowance was always age-based. And it was always about what is it going to replace that I might otherwise spend on. So in other words, you know, kids go to the supermarket and they want to spend on those little gumball machines or whatever at the end. Well, it's funny. They don't want to spend their money. They want to spend yours. My kids will not tune into this because I'm sure they expect me to tell the story of Timber the Talking Tree, which, as they point out, is perhaps the curse of their lives. <laughs> What is um, Timber the Talking Tree? Timber the Talking Tree was the mascot of some chain steakhouse that we went. And while you waited, they had Timber the Talking Tree, which was literally a tree that somebody else who could see what was happening was putting the voice to. And they had a gift shop where, among other things, they sold puppets of Timber the Talking Tree. So my kids had an allowance where they knew part of it they had to save longer term, but part of it they could spend. And they're like, we love Timber. And they each wanted one. And I desperately tried to encourage them to go in on it together. My daughters are about two years apart, but maybe if you go in on this together, you'll be able to save a little bit of money for something else that you want. Because timber cost, I don't know, five or six bucks, but it was going to wipe out eight months of savings for them because 
they were, you know, four, getting 50 cents at four, if you were getting four quarters, one quarter for each year, two went into, you can spend it now, one went into intermediate savings, one went into long-term savings. So your spend it now money, your 50 cents, you know, it's going to take you a while to get up to buy timber. So they both bought timber. And about two weeks later, they never played with timber again, both of them. And they both wished they had had the money. And it was a great lesson that every now and again, you know, as adults, they'll say something and I'll look at them and I'll just go, timber. And they'll go, okay, dad, shut up. I got it. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> that is perfect. You're like, this is a timber moment. Yeah. Get it yeah, together. I just, I, I just do it. I do it with the timber call. They'll be saying something and dad, I got to ask this decision. And I'll just look, yeah, timber. And then, okay, got it. Thanks. <laughs> that is so awesome. So then how can moms who, let's say, maybe aren't going out trick-or-treating because of COVID or they just don't want to spend the money and host the trick-or-treating event like you're doing, how can they have these money conversations and do something similar with their kids at home when it comes to cash or candy? Okay. Well, first, let's go back to that National Financial Educators Council and their idea, which was that they were talking about trading cash for candy. So let's go back to that idea of the girl who got the candy that she really wanted and then how do you put financial lessons to it? One of the things we know that there's, I mean, I'm not one to talk because I'm only in shape because round is a shape, but we have an obesity problem in this country. I personify it to some extent. And we certainly don't want to encourage that on our kids, but we want them to be able to go out and go trick or treating. So find a way that you can say, hey, of your candy, how about you take the stuff that you really don't like that, oh, by the way, I don't like either. And we donate that. We find a place that that can go to people who are less fortunate. But then we take the candy that you maybe don't like so much that I do like. What can I give you for that? Okay, start to make it that the candy becomes, you understand, there's a value. You went out and went trick-or-treating. If I buy a little bit of candy from you, I don't have to go to the store. I can maybe dispose of it before, you know, your mom figures out what I've done or your dad figures out what I've done. And what have you, and how do we make this work where maybe I'm trading you, a, you know, a dime for pieces of candy that you don't like. Okay, now you still have some left. I want one of those Snickers bars that you don't want to give up. Maybe that you should give me for a little bit more money, right? If I was paying you a dime for some of the stuff that you don't care about, at what point, and, and you can in very small little bits say, hey, let's, you know, let's teach you lessons. Now, if you want to take it a step further, and I really hadn't thought about this until you and I agreed we were going to do this. So this is an idea I haven't told anybody about. You're the first to hear it. But I think you can do something else with that. I think you can say, look, I'll give you a dime or a quarter for every piece of whatever candy you give up to me, or I'll double that for every piece that you give up to me, where instead of taking the money, we put it in the bank or we buy stock. Now, these days, if, you, if your audience is not familiar, there's such a thing as stock slices. Stock slices are done at Charles Schwab, and they're done at Fidelity and a few other places. And effectively, they allow you to buy shares in a company or in multiple companies for as little as $5. If the share costs $100, it's going to take you $25 deposits to get a share. But you can pick a child-appropriate stock, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Apple, whatever they're going to do and say, okay, look, you're going to have cash right now. 
we can set that money aside and put a couple of bucks. So this is the idea that I'm giving you for your audience is if you want to teach them the benefit, you go, Hey, let's take some of your money. And then it's not just a Halloween thing. You go, okay, look, I put a budget on what we do for the holidays. And if I don't spend all of that budget, all the rest of that money goes towards whatever. So as you start to think about, you know, your wish list for the holidays, understand how doing with a little bit less might actually help you do with a little bit more. Yeah. Give the kids a reason to say, what I want is the most important thing on my list. Not, I want everything on my list. Cause come on, mom, you're going to spend whatever money you can spend on me. And you know, for my thing, one of the, the stock portfolios that I did for my kids, the idea was basically when my children were born, they had grandchildren, grandparents who were absolutely doting on them. And they didn't care what was coming out of a box and they didn't care who it was coming from. So yeah. early on, whatever money I would have spent on birthdays and holidays, the, my now ex was you know, not always like, oh, I want to be able to spend. Well, go out with your mom, spend with your mom because your mom's going to foot the bill and we'll take our money and put it in the stock market. And so my kids had stocks from the moment we could get it for them. And you know, when you wind up saying, hey, you've had Coca-Cola for 21 years now, you're an adult, here you go. And they're looking at you going, wow. And their friends are going, what? What would I have given them when they were born, when they were one that they didn't get from somebody else? We didn't need the excess. So you can teach the money lessons in those ways and you can get them excited about, you know, hey, it may only be five bucks, but if it winds up, you put in five and you, you're getting back eight or 10 at some yeah. point and you're able to watch you understand that. And so I think that there are good lessons that can be taught in there. And if Halloween is the jumping off point, great, but it doesn't have to be. And for those who have grandchildren and what have you, split your gift because kids as early, I will tell you, my oldest daughter, I believe was four when she officially got the concept of stock ownership. And the story is this, I only bought my kids companies that they could understand, that a child would figure out. And that way you could say, if you own Coca-Cola, well, you don't buy Pepsi, right? Think about, yes. I own this, I don't own that. If you own McDonald's, you don't really go to Burger King because, hey, we own it. We understand that if we go there, it's actually better in some respects for us. Yes. And if other people go there, it's better for us. And that gives you a basic understanding of how it works. So my oldest daughter, you know, I'm, I'm old enough that my kids were born during the video age, not the DVD age. And uh, my oldest daughter owned some Blockbuster video, which thankfully we sold before it went to zero. But my oldest daughter had some Blockbuster video and we went into the store one day when she was about four, four and a half. And there was a video that she wanted that was not in. And she looked at me and said, even for me, because I own this place. I love that. And, oh, what a smart little girl. Right? And now to put it in context. So the only reason I still have my stockbroker that I've had for so many years is because of my kids. I don't need my broker, but I have an account with him at this point because if anything were to happen to me, I want my kids to be able to call him. I've had, he knows everything he needs to know about me because yeah. we've been friends for even longer than he was my broker. But my broker gave me the oddest compliment about my children. He said, what I love best about your kids is how little I know them. And I'm like, that's a little weird. And he goes, yeah, it is. But he goes, think about it this way. The vast majority of people who save money to give their kids or who say, 
we're setting this aside. I get to know their kids really well. I get to know every time their kids need a couple hundred bucks here or there, and I get to know them really well, and then they run out of money and I don't ever hear from them again. He goes, your kids like call me and go, uh, I know I've got enough cash in here. Is there anything else I should be doing? Nope, you can have that cash if you want it or you can reinvest it. I'll take a little bit of it, reinvest this other. He loves the fact that he does know them, but he doesn't know them well because they're not profligate spenders. And this was money that they were told, do whatever you want with it. If you want to go someplace, you need a car, you want to travel the world, this is your money. I have never once given them any guidance. And yet now they are, well, 29 actually on the day this is airing for my oldest and 27. And they still have, uh, in fact, they have more money than they had when they got the portfolios and officially had full control. That's amazing because you let them though, like you tried to encourage them, but you let them make those choices when they were young, when the money was only $5 and look at how far they've come when it comes to their financial decisions. That is incredible. And one thing, Chuck, I wanted to circle back to was this idea of teaching the kids about stocks. I'm wondering then, like when we do this activity at home with our kids for Halloween or, you know, even other holidays, what are your thoughts on letting the kids choose their stock if they choose that double option and you use it for long-term investment, letting them decide which company to purchase the stock or the stock slice from? Well, of course, it has to be a company that is big enough to have stock slices, which is not every company. I am all in favor of it and do not believe that my kids never had mistakes in their portfolios. I mean, you just heard my oldest had blockbuster video. My youngest has a better story than that and has actually two great stories about that. So the first story about that actually occurred later. When my daughter was turning 12 or 13, at that point, I was asking my kids, what did they want? In the, and we'd have discussions about stocks and maybe we want to add a new one, or maybe we just want to add a position to add more money to what we already own, things like that. So my youngest was an athlete and all of her friends, all they wanted for the holidays was Under Armour stuff. They wanted Under Armour leggings and Under Armour shirts and Under Armour this and Under Armour that. And Under Armour, I, my youngest was an athlete. She was a lacrosse player. I'm a lacrosse player and Under Armour CFO and I used to play together. So she knew I knew people there. So she came to me that year and said, well, what about Under Armour? Could we buy some Under Armour? And we had a discussion about it. And what we decided was we'd take a little bit of excess money, some of her dividends that had come in, and we would buy 10 shares of Under Armour at $13 a share. So we did most of what she was doing, but we bought her $130 worth of Under Armour. And the next time it came around for a purchase, we did the same thing. So she now gets it was still $13 a share roughly. So we'd gone a year or what have you. The next year, it's at $19 a share. So it's up about 50% from where we bought it. And we decided we'd make that her entire purchase. So she winds up between everything else with about 50 shares of Under Armour. And of course it had a split or two, et cetera. But there came a point where, remember, we put in about 500 bucks, there was a point where it was worth about 12,000. <laughs> That's so huge. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, at that point, she was like, let it ride, which was a mistake. She should have taken some of her profits. So she still owns the Under Armour today. She's still significantly up. It's still seven or 
$8,000 of her portfolio. But she had these oversized gains, which by the way, was also important because my girls could look at each other's portfolio. You know, we made it. If you want to see, just ask each other. And so she had had this big winner and her sister hadn't. And her sister's like, but wait, I two more years of putting money in because I'm two years older, but I have less money. That's investment selection. That's the difference between she wanted Coca-Cola, you want it or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's where that comes out. So you can, again, have those discussions. Now, the other part of this, when is it too early? So we went to visit my parents when my youngest daughter was about four and my mom uh, wanted us to go to a, a toy store. It was Whitney's birthday. And we went to a toy store called Noodle Cadoodle. Maybe you remember it. Maybe you don't. But we're driving away. And my mom says, well, what did you think of the store? I thought she was talking to my daughter. My daughter did too. My daughter, I loved that place. My mom's like, well, what did you think? Well, it's a really nice kind of upscale, smart toy, school, toy store. Because what do you think of the stock? And I said, well, I haven't looked at it. And Whitney in the back seat goes, we could buy that place because I love that place. Oh, no. So now fast forward to the holidays or what have you. And Noodle Cadoodle is, you know, she's like, I should buy Noodle. It was trading for $1.50. So again, we bought her what we were supposed to buy her. And then we took an extra 75 bucks or whatever it was and bought a couple hundred shares. By the way, when we looked at their annual report, they only had like 80 shareholders of whom I'm sure Whitney was both the youngest and the smallest. So we bought a little bit more because we liked it and it was doing okay. We put in, I don't know, 300, 400, $500 all told. When it got to 650 a share, we bought in at a buck and a quarter and a buck 50. <laughs> so much. She's got all this money that of course, and she's like, well, let it run. They wound up being sold to a company called Zany Brainy, another toy store you may or may not remember. At that point, I said, Whitney, do you want to stick around? She says, well, I've been to Zany Brainy. That's a great toy store. Let's stay in the toy store business. You do know where this is going because Toys R Us, of course, went bankrupt. But before that, went every other place that was, you name it, toy store, including, of course, Zany Brainy. So Zany Brainy went to zero and all of that money was lost. And uh-huh. therein is also a lesson which may be you can let your four-year-old pick the stocks, but you as the adult might want to start teaching them about culling their winners, which I was never great at, which may be why she also still has that Under Armour story and, and didn't quite cash out on the Under Armour. Right. <laughs> but those are still huge lessons that your daughters were able to experience at such a young age because of those conversations you were having and how involved you were getting them in the process, which is really awesome. Like I plan on, I have a two and a half year old and you said four, I'm like prepping now to get him ready to buy his first stock. I well, love this. You should be buying stock for him now. Yeah. If, if you can do a little bit again in his name and people will say, well, what does it do to college aid? They're right. It factors differently in, in a, you're not putting that much money in. It's right. just, if that makes the difference, in your child's ability to get college aid, you basically really weren't entitled to any aid anyway, right? It, it yeah. winds up being that they look at your child's assets and say that basically 80% of your child's assets are available, where it's only like 20% of your assets are considered available as they do their formulas. 
Okay. Don't be dissuaded by that. In the big world of how do you fund a college education that's going to be very expensive, this is a de minimis amount of money. So right. do not be derailed by that. But no, as your child starts to do it and you start to teach the concept of ownership, already have some for them and just let time do the right thing. And, and for those folks who have grandkids, like I said, stock slices, oh my goodness, I so wish they had been available when I had done this. And by the way, I still do these things. My kids are grown. So I, I mentioned I'd been through a divorce. Shortly before the divorce, I'd started doing something different with my change. And that has become my kids and my travel fund. I got, when I started it, it was, you know, it's all your change. Then it was, wait, if I have a dollar bill in my change, I'll put a dollar in. Then it became everything under five. So all singles, I haven't spent a single in like seven years. All singles go in the jar with my change. And that got to a spot where, you know, courtesy of frequent flyer miles and everything else, my kids and I got a great vacation. But then with my youngest daughter in medical school, we kind of couldn't take a vacation. So it's now invested in a couple of different places because it's, you know, it's 5,000 bucks basically over time. And that's, you know, when I go to the grocery store and I've spent the time doing my online couponing and they didn't give me credit for the $5 off I was supposed to get. When I go get that resolved, they give me five bucks. That goes in that jar too. That's, uh, you know, if I have an encounter with the money fairy, you yeah. do believe in the money fairy, right? Oh yeah, every winter I'm in Minnesotan, so yeah. So every time winter coats. the money fairy is the one who puts the money in your in your winter pockets. Exactly yes. right. So money fairy money for me winds up going into that jar as well. So this year, I decided to see what would happen if I didn't spend anything under a ten dollar bill, like if I just put all my fives aside. Yeah. And here's the thing that gets. I decided that if I got over five hundred dollars, which I will get to by the time I get to next month, so. By the, by, or by the end of this month, I will have gotten across 500 bucks that I would make it that, okay, I just did this as an experiment to be able to write about it and talk about it. I'll take half of that, give it to each girl for their Roth IRA. But my youngest got out of school, started her job, and she's already fully funded her Roth IRA. So I got to come up with something else. <laughs> so again, proud father, like, hey, did you teach them the lessons? Well, yes, I did. Right. This has been awesome, Chuck. This is such valuable information and such great ideas on how to turn money into, again, that interactive exchange of information and a game for the kids, right? Like as soon as you get them hooked and you have them thinking about it, you can just see their will spinning, like you said, and have them start calculating what to do and how to do it different. So I really appreciate you sharing all of your insight today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Well, the easiest way is to go to the website for my show, which is moneylifeshow.com. And while they're there, there's a thing that says Chuck's Columns, because I'm a syndicated financial columnist. And if you look there, you will find not only the column that I just wrote about how I am doing Halloween this year, but the week after Halloween, I will, assuming that we get enough turnout, which is still a bit of an assumption in this COVID crazy world, I will talk about the results. So if for those folks want to find out how did it actually turn out, well, that's where you go. And then my daily weekday podcast, which is all about money. It's a lot about investing. And what I typically tell people is we are probably not your starter podcast. We're where you go when you say, I really want to learn more about the market or what have you, but that's called Money Life with Chuck Jaffe. And we should be on all of your favorite podcast apps. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Chuck. I'll make sure to include all that information in today's show notes. And it was such an honor having you on. I can't thank you enough. 
my pleasure to be here, Annette. Thanks so much. And keep teaching folks the lessons because the more they learn them, the better they, their family, their future generations way down the line are going to be. Chuck really is a wealth of knowledge, and I enjoyed interviewing him today and had so many takeaways that I plan on implementing in my own life with my own son, especially this idea of buying your kids stock instead of gifts for the holidays. This year, I think I'm going to set an overall budget for gifts and then take at least 30% and put it in a stock portfolio. And I am so on board with letting my son pick some of his own stocks so that he can get involved as soon as possible. Right now, he's only two, so I have a couple of years, but I cannot wait to start teaching him these valuable lessons. And I encourage you to try out your own version of Cash or Candy and let me know how it goes. What version of the game did you decide to play at home? Were they able to start thinking about money in a different way? And definitely make sure to share your experience by either leaving a review or taking Scared to Savvy and sharing it on your Instagram stories. I'd love to hear how it went and what you guys thought. Also, if you're loving the podcast, make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, we will see you in the next episode.